0: As the excitement and tension of the FIFA Women's World Cup fades into memory, we look to the next global sporting event, the Rugby World Cup 2023 in France. Here on Sporting Focus, we're turning our attention to the very roots of the game. Rugby football's a game that's been described by some as a national obsession, by others as legalised thuggery, and by others still as the greatest sport ever invented. It's one of the few sports that New Zealand has consistently excelled at and enjoyed success internationally over many, many years. Well, today in the studio, we have the man credited with inventing the game, William Webb Ellis. Great to have you here.
1: No, thank you. Uh, my pleasure.
0: Now, tell me a bit about football as it was played in your day at rugby school.
1: Oh, it was brutal. The boys themselves devised the rules, such as they were. No input from the masters. There was no limit to the number playing. Uh, It ranged from about 20 to more than 50 in a team. Lots of injuries. You couldn't tackle, but were allowed to obstruct any player on or off the ball. In my day, hacking was allowed, but outlawed later. Hacking? Yeah, Yeah, bringing someone down by kicking them on the shins. When that became illegal, leg-tripping was still allowed. Sometimes there were out-and-out brawls. Was it controlled, like by a referee? Yeah, After a fashion, but how do you control a hundred unruly teenage boys? Well, that in itself is a huge question. We probably don't have time to address that here. Uh, but
0: let's look at the mechanics of the game.
1: How are points scored? Simply by the number of goals, just like... Soccer football today. But the goals were H-shaped and to score, the ball had to go over the crossbar and not under Mm. it. Uh, Rugby school... You could score from ground level, you could catch the ball and drop kick, or you could catch it and move back and place it for somebody else to kick for goal. The opposing team could stand level with the spot where the ball was caught and charge as soon as it was placed, so you needed to move well back. So you mentioned catching. Handling the ball was allowed. Only to catch it and to move back, to kick it. But A fair bit of cheating went on, and a few, myself included, would run forward a few yards, especially after catching the ball on the run.
0: Did anybody ever pick the ball up off the ground?
1: Oh, they'd have got chucked out of the game...
0: Was this how football was played in all schools?
1: We never really got to know how it was played in other schools, but there were known to be wide variations. We did once have a small group of visitors from Oxford and they considered our form of football a a little unorthodox. Their goalposts also had a crossbar, but to score, the ball had to pass below it. Not over it. It was revealed in later years that some schools had no crossbar at all, allowing the ball to pass between vertical posts at any height.
0: Did the rules change during your time at the school?
1: They got a bit looser and there was more cheating, but there were no major changes. The rules were never actually written down during my time. When did rugby school football evolve into rugby union as it's played today? It's not entirely clear when the evolution started. Uh, Running with the ball in hand seems to have become acceptable by the late 1830s, and the senior boys codified the rules to allow it in 1845. It was still called football, but the game had become a mixture of kicking the ball and running with it. Kicking a goal continued to be the only way to score. It took decades for the game to evolve into its present form. So when did you leave rugby school? 1825. You left in 1825
0: and have said the rule allowing running forward with the ball didn't come until the late 1830s. Mm-hmm. So it was never legal while you were at the school? Correct. Well, this brings us to the main part of our conversation um i presume you're aware that a rugby union world cup competition was inaugurated in 1987
1: i most certainly am aware of that new zealand beat france 29-9 in the final and
0: you're aware that teams in that event compete for the web ellis cup
1: again i am most definitely aware of that and i feel extraordinarily flattered
0: and your name is also immortalized on a plaque and mm. statue
1: outside rugby
0: school to this day.
1: Flattery knows no bounds. <laughs>
0: well, the wording on the plaque effectively credits you with the invention of rugby as a sport.
1: Mm, the ultimate honour. If only I deserved it.
0: Well, it's widely believed that you do indeed deserve it. The plaque includes the words, quote, William Webb Ellis first took the ball in his arms and ran with it, thus originating the distinctive feature of the rugby game. Mm. Now, less flatteringly, it also says, quote, he had fine disregard for the rules of his time.
1: (laughs) The last bit is probably true. I did stretch the rules a little. But the first part, that my action originated any distinctive feature, is decidedly untrue and thoroughly disproven. So
0: you're denying the truth of the statement on the plaque, Mm. even though it's been in place for over a century. It specifically states that it was your action on one particular day in 1823... That led to the rule change allowing running while
1: carrying the ball. Mm. But let's look at the dates. They just don't add up. The incident referred to on the plaque is alleged to have occurred in 1823. Mm -hmm. Running forward with the ball didn't become legal until 1838 at the earliest, probably later. During the intervening 15 plus years... There was no mention of William Webb Ellis being associated with the rule change in school records, newspapers, anywhere. So, well, how do you think the story arose? The plaque was not installed until 1900, but interest in the origins of rugby as a sport had arisen 24 years earlier when a letter was published in the Rugby School magazine. What did that letter say and who wrote it? It was written by an old boy of rugby called Matthew Bloxham. He named me as somebody known to have run forward carrying the ball. Mm -hmm. He didn't say I was the only one, uh, and his information came from a source that he didn't name.
0: So just that rather vague assertion led to the installation of the plaque?
1: Oh, by no means. The plaque dates from 1900 and the letter was written in 1876. As an aside, I had died in 1872, so regrettably couldn't engage with the letter writer over the issue. But he wrote another letter four years later which suggested more specifically that the incident could have led to the eventual rule change.
0: The second letter elaborated on the original claim?
1: It was much more specific. I can quote a section of it. Ellis disregarded the rule and on catching the ball instead of retiring backwards, rushed forwards with the ball in his hands towards the opposite goal. With what result as to the game, I know not. Neither do I know how this infringement of a well-known rule was followed up or when it became, as it is now, a standing rule. It's still a bit vague.
0: Um, doesn't credit you with inventing a new game. You said Bloxham wrote the second letter in 1880? Yes. When did he attend rugby?
1: 1813 to 1820.
0: So he made the claim more than half a century after he left?
1: Yes. Remarkable memory, you'd have to say.
0: You were there from 1816 to 1825. So you and Bloxham were contemporaries at the
1: school for some years. Did you know him? I remember the name but can't place him. He was three years ahead of me but had a younger brother and it's widely suspected that the brother was the source of the story. My name was often bandied about in the years after Bloxham Senior left as the cheat who was always running with the ball. As I said, I would often catch the ball on the run and then gallop a few extra Mm. yards. A whole bunch of defenders would drag me down and practically bury me. Web Ellis again, they'd yell. Everyone got to know my name in those years, but the rules didn't change.
0: There are some enormous gaps in this narrative. Mm. Um, Your alleged action occurred in 1823... What happened between then and the first Bloxham letter in 1876?
1: Precisely nothing. For 53 years. There was no research or theories regarding the origin of the game. No mention of my name publicly or in school records. 53 blank pages. Then 35 more blank pages Mm -hmm. after the second letter. It wasn't until 1895 that the issue arose again.
0: What happened in 1895?
1: Now, you may have heard of the Old Rugbyan Society, a group of loyal rugby old boys who Mm. socialised regularly. They decided in the 1890s to investigate and establish the true origins of the sport of rugby once and for all. Mm -hmm. This was the height of the Victorian era and there was a patriotic desire for Britain to claim ownership of a whole range of sports that were by now being played internationally, rugby being just one of them. The International Rugby Board had been formed in Dublin in 1886 Mm -hmm. with Ireland, Scotland and Wales as its foundation members. England tagged along in 1890. The Rugbyans, of course, were keen to anchor the origins of the sport firmly onto the fields of rugby School. How did
0: they go about their investigation and what were the conclusions?
1: They were aware of the Bloxham letters. Individual Rugbyian members might have spoken to him casually when the letters were published, but he died in 1888, so he couldn't contribute to the actual investigation, which began in 1895. It was very thorough and they managed to track down more than a dozen old boys who had attended in the 1830s, and even a couple from the 1820s. You would think that if my action in 1823 had marked the beginning of football as a running game, which it had indeed become by the end of the 1830s, uh, those people would have heard of me. And had they? Uh, Well, only one. An 1820 student named Thomas Harris claimed to have known of me. Hmm. He recalled me as a good cricketer and something of a cheat at football, <laughs> uh, and not the best of reputations. But he had, he made no mention of any rule changes resulting from my cheating. Hmm. Quite the contrary, he remembered that running forward with the ball in hand was strictly forbidden throughout his time at rugby, and he left in eighteen twenty eight, three years after me. The students who attended in the eighteen thirties nearly all remembered that running forward was illegal. Early in the decade, but became legal in their time. None had heard of William Webb Ellis. That's quite a tangled story. Mm. So, what were the
0: conclusions of the investigation panel?
1: Strangely, and against all the evidence I've just outlined, they concluded that my action in one particular year, 1823, had led directly to the invention of rugby. Here's the text on the plaque. Mm. This stone commemorates the exploit of William Webb Ellis, who with a fine disregard for the rules of football as played in his time, first took the ball in his arms and ran with it, thus originating the distinctive feature of the rugby game, A.D. 1823.
0: So the conclusions then contradicted the evidence. Mm. Um They'd spoken to old boys that remembered that running with the ball in the 1830s was illegal, um, meaning that your alleged action 10 years earlier had not led to any rule change. Mm. And yet the myth that you'd picked the ball up off the ground and run with it, thus inventing rugby, grew and blossomed for nearly 20 years yes. after the Bloxham Letters.
1: By which time the rugbyans had also picked it up and run with it, <laughs> but... But let's ignore the myths and hearsay and stick to the truth. I did not pick up the ball off the ground during a game in 1823 or any other year. I caught it Mm -hmm. many times legally and sometimes dashed forward a few yards, illegally. (laughs) Uh, Running with the ball in hand remained illegal the whole time I attended rugby school.
0: And seemingly for at least another ten years after you left.
1: Definitely for that long, and probably longer. Running was legal by 1841, and enshrined Uh in the first set of written rules printed in 1845. Meaning 1845
0: can be taken as the date of birth of rugby, as a separate sport from football. Yes. Nearly a quarter of a century after your 1823 exploits.
1: Mm, And even then, it was still called football. It was several more decades before it became known as rugby football, and not just rugby. What might have prompted Matthew Bloxham to write
0: his letters in the first place, so long after the alleged event?
1: You see, he was a loyal ex-rugby student and proud of it. Mm. He feared that the sport might forget its roots once it moved beyond England. Mm. Why he chose to associate my name with the birth of rugby will forever remain a mystery to me. But to be fair to him... He never claimed that my action amounted to the invention of rugby. Mm. He actually wrote three letters to the rugby magazine, the first detailing the game as played in his day and mine, Mm -hmm. written in response to correspondents seeking information of the origins of the game. It was the two later letters that mentioned me, but all they implied was that my action could have been the first steps towards the rule change. Mm -hmm. I quoted his 1880 letter earlier, and and you'll remember the words, neither do I know how this infringement of a well-known rule was followed up or when it became, as it is now, a standing rule. So he's suggesting that my action could have been the starting point of a process that led to an eventual Mm. rule change, but may not have been. Uh, It was the Rugbyans report 15 years later, that made the much more specific assertion.
0: And the rugby and researchers were blindfolded by the preconceived need to associate the origin of the sport with a single event on the sports fields at rugby school.
1: Ah, yes, despite the overwhelming evidence, their own evidence Mm. to the contrary. They were mindful that other theories on the sport's origin were emerging. Some, tracing back to Roman times, they mm. were anxious to disprove theories of that kind.
0: So the myth associating your name with the invention of rugby began more accurately with the rugby and so-called research than with the blocks and letters?
1: Mm. More accurately still with the erection of the plaque in 1900. Mm-hmm. And an even greater honour... A statue of me outside the school in a running position holding the ball. (laughs) But the irony is that the Rugbyian Society didn't need to associate the origin of the sport with any individual. The game, as played in the 21st century, was invented at Rugby. Mm -hmm. That's beyond dispute. To this day, the sport carries the name of the school. What other sports are named after a school... Surely that alone would guarantee the origin of rugby is uh, inextricably and permanently traceable back to the school it's named after.
0: Well, now that it's become clear that William Webb Ellis did not invent rugby, nor was he even at the school when it was invented, do you have any theories on the game's actual origin?
1: You see, I'd rather deal with facts than theories. Mine or anyone else's. Mm. Uh, There's a name you've probably never heard of, Jem Mackey. He attended rugby in the late 1830s and was remembered long after he left as the great runner-in with the ball in hand. Thomas Hughes, who wrote Tom Brown's School Days and and has a better knowledge of rugby school history than most, was interviewed by the Rugbyan Society and even all those years later, could remember Mackey picking up the ball and running with it, probably in 1838. He would ground the ball over the goal line and claim a try at a goal. It quickly became common practice and by 1841, running with the ball and earning tries was legal. uh, Thomas Hughes attended rugby from 1834 to 1842 and remembered Mackey well, Mm -hmm. but had never heard of me. Uh, He told the investigators that boys were running in and claiming a try as early as his first year, 1834. It was an illegal manoeuvre back then, but seems to have been tolerated. Hmm. Uh, Jem Mackey's superior skill at it may have prompted the later rule change. Why do you think the panel got it so wrong
0: when all the evidence so clearly contradicts their conclusions? Ah,
1: now... Apart from their original determination to attach the sport's origins to rugby school, another factor was the Great Schism, which by no means coincidentally occurred in the same year the investigation began, 1895. The schism saw Rugby League established. In the north of England, the rugby school form of rugby attracted mainly the upper middle class. Mm. The masses opted for rugby league, which soon became a professional code. Uh, The rugbyans held a real fear that league was going to take over and maybe Mm. snuff out the original game. It was a misplaced fear. The new code was still called Rugby, so the connection with the school remained. This still leaves unexplained their need to attach the game's roots to the actions of a particular individual at a particular time. Hmm. And why they chose William Webb Ellis rather than Jem Mackey. But I was chosen and they literally set their erroneous conclusions in stone by engraving them onto the statue and plaque.
0: And your own recollections of your time at the school are crystal clear?
1: I know exactly what I was doing in 1823. The William Webb Ellis story is a fabrication from start to finish.
0: Do you think it'll ever be
1: connected? Don't oh, no. <laughs> Rugby school... We'll never let it go, and the whole rugby world will continue to revel in the fantasy. It's become legendary. Millions believe it. It's a good story. Mm, well, the administrators of the 1980s sure believed
0: it when they chose the name for the World Cup trophy.
1: <laughs> they sure did. That sealed it.
0: One last question. Mm. Is your surname Webb Ellis or just Ellis?
1: It's Webb Ellis. My mother was a Webb and my father an Ellis. Combining names was quite common in my day.
0: Oh, well, Still is. Well, thank you, William, for your visitation and for enlightening
1: us. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, remember, uh, my name is on the World Cup just once. New Zealand is on it three times. And counting. <laughs> Good luck in France. Thank you. You'll need it.